Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Before we go, though, hold on. Uh, let me just... <laughs> what? <laughs> the oh, fireworks are out of control. It's wild. Archie is not a fan. Why? Have you ever met a dog who enjoyed fireworks? They're very, very... I haven't. Yeah, they're traumatized, generally. Yeah? Archie, when we moved to L.A., he wasn't so bad because he was like a Brooklyn dog, and he was kind of used to like shit going off, but then L.A. fireworks were like a whole new level of insanity. He's a soft dog? He's a, a little sweetie. He's a, he got soft in he's L.A.? His little face, yeah. <laughs> he, he did get soft in L.A. He did? Yes. Yeah, his palms. Have you seen his paws? Yeah. Super smooth. He yeah. got Botox that LA in his life. paws. Yeah. yeah, made him all soft and smooth and sweet. <laughs> Are you taking him to get his hair colored? Uh, well, yeah, definitely. And and, uh, and I like the idea of Botox in a dog. Botox for dogs? <laughs> Botox. Isn't that fun? <laughs> like my, their paws are too wrinkled, so they need to smooth them out, especially at the dog park when you're trying to mate. Yeah. You're trying to like, you know, make a good impression on Fifi. Ooh. Yeah. Archie deserves the best. He does. He does. He deserves the best. He deserves a friend. I want to get him a, um, a friend. What does that mean? A daisy. Daisy. You, you want to get a second dog? I want to get a chihuahua named Daisy. And I dream these things and they sometimes happen. Like Archie was Archie in my head before he was ever Archie in real life. You thought of Archie? I had an imaginary dog named Archie and I knew what he looked like. And then Archie came into my life. You are such a witch. <laughs> Manifesting my uh, my familiars. Yeah, what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> it's feeling witchy and good. This is good. Yeah. I'm feeling good today. Good. How I'm about so yourself? I'm feeling okay. Thank yeah? you. Hey, yeah. happy Pride Month. Happy Pride. Yeah. That's something to celebrate. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's cool to live in West Hollywood um, where you can like, I don't know, the rhythm of West Hollywood is everything I've always wanted in a neighborhood. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the world... Do you attribute that to the gay community that's in West Hollywood? I, I There's a heartbeat mm. to West Hollywood that I have not found anywhere else in the world. Yeah. And I, I can't... I wish I could describe it, but everybody who comes to visit and kicks it with me for a couple of days is like, I feel good here. Yeah. And you do. You really do. I'm so glad I moved to this neighborhood because when we met, I'd lived all over like Highland Park and Mid-City and I'd spent a like, couple months in Echo Park and all these places and I'd never felt at home. And I moved to West Hollywood and I was like, oh, I can live here. It's the right space. I love how the streets have been on my evening walks and you know during the pandemic, like the one time I leave my house is in the evenings to walk Archie. And there's just a really lovely vibe on the streets with everyone coming out to clap at eight o'clock to support um healthcare workers and then like doing like social distancing soup stoop visits yeah there's people playing drums on their front steps yeah at eight o'clock and then lawn chairs in the front yards of everyone just chatting smoking hanging and yeah, waving from afar yeah, and it's, it's really cool. dope and i think that yeah my experience of living in new york like i wouldn't give it up for anything but i'm so glad i'm not there right now because i keep seeing pictures and hearing from friends that it's definitely like it's not easy to stay away from folks when you're all on top of each other like they're there and here there's the space and the vibe and the and the community and the gay community in west hollywood for me is like there's so many gorgeous men and people and folks out on the fucking streets like looking incredible it's just yeah the most well, beautiful people in the world our friend jamie has been at least on facebook yeah. and on instagram like i've learned a lot recently from mm -hmm. jamie and it's been awesome yeah. so can we just shout jamie out for a second yeah follow jamie london Wolberg at tranibus chi and jamie uh is also directing people right now to support in the queer community black uh, trans and non-binary folks with a couple of charities that we should link to in the show notes. Okay. Jamie is a trans man that we met through Buck Angel and Ophelia Chong. Yeah, yeah. And he offers these classes through Tranibus Chi where he shares the knowledge of um, his chi and I, he like offers all sorts of seminars and workshops. And It's one of the only reasons I'm still on Facebook. Yeah. Are the videos. Uh-huh. Because otherwise, what am I doing on there? Yeah. Ugh, it's so great. Straight up. Very soothing and great 
grounding and calming and educational mm-hmm. and also just a lovely person, a funny person. It's mad funny. <laughs> also, while we're on the shout out tip, can we just shout out everyone who is listening to the podcast? Because since last week's episode with Ron Leggett, another $1,300 have been raised at his GoFundMe. So if you were donating, if you were sharing, if you're just like a part of the rhythm of changing the world for the better, thank you all so much because, yo, $1,300 is no small shake. Yeah, it's fantastic. If you haven't heard that episode, Ron is the greatest and he has a business called Chiefing in the Bay Area and he lost everything when Magnolia Wellness was robbed uh, and he was incubated inside Magnolia Wellness. He was about to fucking launch. He was just about to launch, and so now they are helping him to rebuild his business so he can get up and, uh, yeah, get chiefing online. I Anybody who's pouring everything they have into something is exactly who I want to know and be friends with. Yeah. And, you know, the devastation of losing it all is fucking devastating. Yeah. But pouring everything you have into something you believe in mm-hmm. is exactly what I think life is about. It is, especially, I, I I was just about to say now more than ever. And then no, don't say that. immediately make fun of myself. Here to like, four. Well, there's a platitude for you now more than ever. As we all know. In times like these. <laughs> what are, yeah. Like, uh, I, every, every article, every bad article written, mm-hmm. isn't that what, like, now more than ever is in one of those. Like these, in yeah. times like these. In times like these. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's just. But hmm. right now, in this time. No, that's. <laughs> Damn it. Why do I want to say those? You know, it really is worth pouring all of your heart and soul into whatever it is that sustains you and then adds to your community around you because what else the fuck are we doing? This is not a time to like piss any time away. Shit's fucked up. Like, let's all give everything we have to something we care about and make everything better in doing so. Absolutely. Your vibrations count. Yeah. Straight up. They do. Speaking of pouring yourself oh. into... Oh, oh, is this our intro for our guests? I, it's a perfect one. We didn't it plan it, but you got to embrace the moment. Speaking of pouring yourself into something, Laura Ann. Laura Ann's jams. Man, I, well, basically, I met Laura Ann through our friend Ali Sue, when she had this amazing party in the desert in Joshua Tree, and Laura Ann changed my taste buds with her jams, and then I found out her whole story, which she tells us about. So she's just the fucking coolest. Yeah, she is. She's a rock star turned jam maker. <laughs> like, I mean, what the fuck? Now more than ever. Yeah, now more than ever. Oh, you're just good at everything? Okay. (laughs) And she's the fucking coolest. And she sent us her jams and we've been like... I'm having like three pieces of toast a day just to fucking put different t- kinds of jams the on different pieces of bread. The fucking spreadability is out of control. Oh my God. The lo-fi raspberry no sugar keto diet approved jam blew my fucking mind. And the peach samba jalapeno um, marmalade is my favorite thing ever. I actually made a margarita with it the other night. It was so good. Yeah. So good. So I mean, if it's good enough for Jeopardy and Oprah, I suppose it's good enough for my mouth. Oh, making, yeah, excellent points. Mm -hmm. I was going to say fuck with her jams. Go online and uh, check out all of the things that she makes. She ships all over the country. And um, yeah, I don't know. We just had a great time chatting with her. All right. Well, then let's get into it. Without further ado, here's our interview with Laura Ann Masora. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Oh, uh, this is a cool one. It is a cool one. Not that the other ones aren't, but this is really cool. It's extra fucking cool. Yeah, jammy. Yeah. <laughs> fucking jamming out with Laura Ann. Hi. Hi. How are you guys? Fantastic. So excited to have you here. Uh, as we were just saying, we, you and I met at a birthday party in the desert, and uh, I was so excited immediately to have you on the podcast because of everything you do. Can you say a little bit about who you are and what you do? I am Laura Ann of Laura Ann's Jams, and I make jams and preserves and um, I don't know. Sometimes it feels more complicated, but that's that's it. I make jams and preserves, and um, I think they've kind of become popular because I am a total foodie so I'm using them for tons of things I've been using them for cocktails I was a bartender which is how I know most of the people from the hideout which we'll get more into how we met and where we met and why I can't wait so um I was a bartender in Chicago for years like down the street at the Twisted Spoke and I worked at Big Chicks and I I was all over Chicago for uh, well that's where I grew up and I was in a band at the time in Chicago so uh, all those people those are my those are my people 
Like, oh my big... god, where do we start? Yeah, <laughs> this Mike, is crazy. I know because I, I, when we were hanging out in the desert together at this birthday party, I texted Mike and I was like, I think I'm hanging out with some people that you might know. The hideout. And Mike was like, Oh my fucking god, that's so. Yeah. Yeah, the hideout is. I mean, it's iconic, and so is Twisted Spoke. Like you were in, um, since. Chicago is pretty segregated, even by musical tastes, yeah. I would argue, that like you were in the hotbed of everything cool coming like through the Midwest. Like That was where I found out what people were, were into and what was cool so that I could yeah. feel cool. It's really yeah. interesting because I, I moved from there to Los Angeles, um, honestly, because I was in a band. And at the time, my booking agent lived in Silver Lake. We, my band was doing really well in the Midwest. And at that time, like pre-internet, I'm aging myself, but that's okay. Wait, well, I'm sorry, but what is the name of the band? Um, well, I was in many, many bands. Um, one, I, one was Motorhome. The one I toured with the most was called Evil Beaver. And I was in another band, The Prescriptions. I had um, a record label called Fruity Nation Records, which again, vinyl only and pre 2000. So good luck even finding it. Like it was pre Bandcamp. Because I know, I right? Some good connections in Chicago. <laughs> and I bet you I can find all your albums. Oh, and you were a drummer. I was a drummer. I was on Johann's Face Records. So I was, you know, I was, you know, I, we have, we probably have lots of mutual friends. My big one would be Steve Albini he, and Heather Winna. He's actually a friend of mine. I toured with Shellac. You did? I did. Like quite Holy a few times. Shit. He's a good friend of mine. Bob Weston was at my wedding in Los Angeles here. You could have come over and met him. He's wow. he's the raddest of the raddest. Oh yeah, no. I know everybody. I, dig <laughs> dig in. There's no one I don't know. Who else do you want to talk about? No. <laughs> <laughs> you. I want to talk about you. Yeah, let's talk about you. Now I mm-hmm. I don't know. I make jams. I used to be in a band and when I was naming the jam company, everyone just kept calling it Laura Ann's Jams because I wasn't sure what to name it. So it just kind of stuck. And I'm really glad it did because, you know, I'm 10 years into my jam company now. And um, I think because it has my face on the logo and it's my namesake, a lot of regular steps that you would take in a food business, like maybe trying to sell the brand to like a bigger company, like as you scale up scale up so you get you know small places restaurants grocery stores like if you so chose that path and then you know the dream i guess is to sell it off to someone and have i don't know someone knott's berry farm buy my brand and Mm -hmm. hopefully make me some kind of like organic garden roller coaster but that's a different dream (laughs) Um, that would be amazing it's made out of like bamboo i know right (laughs) yeah so um, but I don't, I've never, I've never wanted to take that path because it's too, per, it's almost like too personal. It really is like my little thing. And, um, throughout the whole course of my business, actually up until just recently, I've been managing restaurants and bars in addition to having the jam company. So I'm like a crazy person. And I think it's because I came from rock band world where even if you took your music career seriously enough to be doing it as a full-time job you still bartended or waited tables or dj'd at the very least or worked at a studio so you always had like some other gig so even as i got into more of a restaurant industry career i just always kept the jam company it was like my band like the jams became my my jams once i retired from rock and roll you know and um because of the coronavirus stuff like I got laid off from my job like everybody else that works at restaurants and as soon as that happened since I've seen you last I have been so busy girl like I'm so grateful for that magical weekend we had because first of all it was like right when it was very they were just about to close down like it was the weekend before I was on my way to Allison's birthday party when I got the um, message that South by Southwest had been canceled and we were supposed to go. Mike and I were heading out like the following week. And so I was on my way to the party where I met you when I got word that that wasn't happening. And so we were in that tiny window. It was like two days before everybody would have been too scared to go. Are you going into a commercial kitchen or is this an operation? I've been working out of a commercial kitchen since probably 2010. So for... uh, I. The company started in 2009, and I got, 
this is a true story about my business. So I started just kind of making jams for fun. Um, and then I would bring them to my job. And I was a waitress at the time, strangely enough, at a Vietnamese restaurant. And my boss owned a breakfast place. So I would bring jams in just because I was doing them for fun for myself. And I can't, when you make jam, there's like 12, 13 jars, you know, you can't, who can eat all of that? Nobody. And so <laughs> I would bring them to work and just sell them to my coworkers on the um, employee break table. And my boss was like, oh, I just bought this breakfast restaurant. You should make the jams for my breakfast restaurant. I started making the jams for the breakfast restaurant. And people were like, can we buy jars of this? And I started putting them on the shelf. Like just, I would just pinch them off of the batch that I made for the restaurant, like in pans. And I would make a couple jars, put them on the shelves, they'd sell. And truthfully, Los Angeles Magazine came in, bought a jar, put it in a taste test. And I won Best of LA and I was in Los Angeles Magazine. Like it happened, yeah. like, right? <laughs> so It's amazing. What flavor was the jam? Uh, actually, I should remake that one. It was a blueberry Meyer lemon. I remember because mm. it actually even made like the spread. Let's say I made like the photo and got a little, my little crown. So that was uh, oh delightful. But so the fact checker calls me and was just like, oh, hey, how do we get your jams? Like checking all the stuff. And I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, they're at square one. Or I work at the Redwood. I've got them in my purse on Saturdays because I work brunch, you know. And you could always buy a jar. And they were like, could you maybe build a website and make this real? Because we're about to write you up in Los Angeles Magazine. So I built a website. Wow. And it's crazy because I never thought about that as, I never thought about making it a real business. It was a hobby that turned into a business because I make um, awesome jam. <laughs> yeah. you, by demand. It's awesome. jam by demand. <laughs> <laughs> I had your jam when I was sitting it it was sort of a magical mouth mouthful because I was on mushrooms <laughs> and it was like 10 in the morning and I had just gone on an early morning hike in Joshua Tree with Ariana and Raya and a few others and we had come back and we were having breakfast at that Joshua Tree saloon and you were at the table and you just pulled out a jar and you were like, well, try some of my jam. And I, my mouth exploded. It was crazy. It was a blackberry. No, it had bay leaf. Blackberry bay it leaf. The, yeah. It was that's a good leaf. one. Holy fuck. So yeah, good. That's a really good one. And it's funny because uh, like that same type of thing is how I ended up getting some of my most awesome accidental press. Like I was a question on Jeopardy and I had <laughs> no idea that it was even happening and they, they it was about a flavor that I hadn't made in like two or three years so I went this whole through this whole thing like how did they find me like how did I end I was you know it was like in the saleswomen category and it was like Laura Ann's jams and it like makes um, a jam infused with Syrah with the genius Vagaria and nobody got it. And I always joked that they didn't get it because they were so confused because they had never heard of me. And oh. <laughs> was it like a fig jam? Oh, no, it was a strawberry. What is strawberry? So I and I also don't think I said the question. You'd think I would know the question by now. So it was on. <laughs> so it was on Jeopardy. And so all this time after it happened, I was just like, how the heck did they even know about me? And I was at Tex at the bar. And I guess I gave some guy a jam. I didn't even know he wrote for Jeopardy. I was just like, oh, hey, man. Oh, I make jam. You want some? I've got some in my purse. Like I did to you. And I'm just like, here you go. Mm -hmm. and you're like, I have a podcast. Like, get out of here. I like, <laughs> I like grub. I like weed. I'm perfect. <laughs> oh, man. When we met, you were talking about how, you know, moving to Los Angeles from Chicago, you were just astounded at the sort of abundance of fruit that people weren't using. And that was sort of what inspired you to start. Oh, totally. Making jams initially, right? Yeah, that and the farmer's markets. Like people from the Midwest just, it. I can't even put into words, like I was overwhelmed with how much fruit and different fruit and fascinating weird hybrid fruits the stuff that's out here and you could get it all year round 
The first yeah. apartment. Mike worked I, at a farmer's market for a little while when you moved here, right? Yeah, it was my first job here. Was working there. I was. It was oh, also that's awesome. One of the most like harmonious, um, like little ecosystems I've ever been a part of because the whole thing was barter. Yep. You know, you sell, 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 and then after it's over, you're just making. I'm trading strawberries for salt and flowers for cucumbers. Totally. And the whole thing was so great. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, like I wasn't joking about that mug earlier where we cheered my my tea mug someone came over yesterday and traded a mug but i had met her at um jackalope art fair and there's so many different like i do a bunch of like pop-up fair things like i don't necessarily have a farmer's market booth that i've ever done but that's also probably because i've always been working in restaurants i never had a weekend <laughs> or a full day of not being the boss lady somewhere to have a regular booth. But I always did like weekend pop-ups and like unique LA and artisanal LA, like that kind of stuff is what really helped my company go even further. But you meet so many people and um, yeah, I'm friends with everybody. We barter everything at the end of those. those it's like the best when you end, like, cause you work so hard and you set up these booths and you know, it, it's from, it's literally like a pop-up tent. You set up your table. You have this like very thoughtful display. It's, it's so much like rock and roll, man. Like I can't even, it's the same thing. And then you yeah. stand there and like engage with everybody and tell them all about your stuff. And for me, it's fun because I get, people get to taste things, right? Like they're standing right in front of me as their first spoonful goes in their mouth. So that's always really rewarding too. Like, I love doing that stuff. And then afterwards, yeah, honey, olive oil. Half the stuff on my shelf is stuff that is from people. And then it's also people you know, which is awesome. I want to support my friends and my other, you know, food makers, especially right now, man. Everyone's getting hit so yeah. hard. It's crazy. We uh, made an infused pie that we developed for a cannabis brand called Satori Chocolates. And we had this, like whole pie that you know we couldn't finish so we delivered it to neighbors and friends and that just felt awesome because we got some yeast in exchange and then someone gave us a whole loaf of sourdough bread and I was like for me the first time that I really felt that community in Los Angeles because I moved here a few years ago and it's a pretty isolating experience to it move is. here from New York which was like a very connected sure city for me with a big community I felt pretty pretty adrift in LA and so interestingly this time has been kind of neat to while self-isolating also feel connected to my people yeah well I found the zoom culture thing to be um interesting and really kind of awesome for me because mm -hmm. I've reached out to a bunch of my friends from all over the country and I never even did FaceTime I'm the person that would like disconnect their camera or I think I, I had, you know, a Band-Aid over my camera on my, <laughs> my computer up until not even a month ago. I mean, when I peeled it off, I was like, does this thing even work? Like, I don't even know. I've, <laughs> I have never, ever used it before. And um, it's been really great. I've really, like, reconnected with some good friends. And we have regular dates where we see each other. And I just don't think people, like, made that kind of time for each other. It seemed, like, secondary and I think that this type of situation is making, well, me or, and a lot of people really realize like what's most important and it's your relationships and the people around you and, you know, connecting yeah. with your friends and family. I'm so, I'm, I'm still like, it's so nice to see you. Like it was the first time we met over that weekend and it was just, it was really, it was really great. And I'm so glad that I went into this after, um, did you go to the Integratron for the sound bath thing? Okay. No. I, well, so I did the Integratron and then I was just with a bunch of really rad people. Some I knew, some I didn't. So I already came back from the desert kind of like, ah, and then locked in my house. <laughs> yeah. I think I had the, uh, instead of going to the Integratron, I was in Joshua Tree on Mushrooms, which is you right. know, Same like difference, the outdoor really. Integratron. <laughs> the <thing>. outdoor <laughs> Integratron. But then I came back and it was so crazy because Mike and I had to go to this uh, weed event and we went together. And then just like three days later, we got an email saying, hi, everybody. So one of our guests was just uh, no. tested positive. For, so we, all of us who were at that party had to self-isolate oh immediately. Oh, my God. 
were you, two weeks, were you like, scared? Right How did you feel about it? Like, were you, like, did you have a moment, like, every time you had a sniffle or, like, I have a fever, yeah. I'm going to die? Yeah, I mean. Especially once the sun went down, you know? <laughs> like, once it's nighttime, you really have a lot of a lot of time to focus on um, that your scratching mortality. your throat. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. I, I feel like uh, I, it all felt very surreal because at that point, I think, you know, it was really before the pandemic had hit New York. I mean, there wasn't, you know, it was, everything was still happening overseas. Right. And so it was scary, but it also, I felt kind of detached and disconnected from it. Um, but now, you know, 60 odd days into this lockdown, it all feels well, pretty real. Er, yeah. Well, early on to the, weren't that many deaths and they kept telling us that it was only for old people pretty much right like even in the mm-hmm. very beginning of it that there was a tiny bit of safety and i think now that we have more knowledge about what's happening it's just oof it's tough time to take it seriously yeah i know right how Thank do you, you how are you um unwinding at home are you smoking any good weed or producing um, anything or do you know drinking? what i'm so well i would say accidental drinking but it's not accidental that I put whiskey in my coffee at noon because (laughs) you know why not I'm not going anywhere I'm not driving anywhere but honestly with the jams I've been a little busy because I've had to go cook because my one uh one of my clients that has a delivery service pulled one of those like so how what do you have in stock and I made the mistake of telling them, like, everything I had in stock. And they're like, well, take it yeah. off. And I was just kind of like, oh, yay. And absolutely, <laughs> I'm going to do, like, any kind of money grab right now, even if it's for wholesale prices. But then you're like, oh, my God, I have to recook every everything. Like, yeah, and I have, like, 18, 19 flavors factory. now. So I have a lot of flavors. And, and I was about to launch a couple other ones. And then, and then sourcing and jars and what is happening right now like the trickle down of it is overwhelming during this all of my um you know service industry family everybody's laid off so my empathy is just exploding and broken and i'm trying to like cook and keep up so um and then going to the post office every other day again yay but then i i i every sniffle I'm like, did I pick something up? Because I haven't really had two weeks to sit by myself and like really, truly isolate, isolate. At this point, I feel like I'm fine because I just have like a pattern and I don't see that many people and I'm very conscious of gloves and masks and separate space. But um, I've, I've, I've been staying busy, so I don't know if it's... Um, a good or bad thing quite yet. <laughs> Can we talk about going to the post office for a second? Yes. Um, crazy town. Have you, yeah. have you been, oh, so have you been going? Okay. So I had a post office experience last week and I came back, you know, cause Mike and I are quarantining together. So when I come back, I like, you know, cleanse myself of the outside world. And right. like, I came back extra sort of like, I need to completely like really like wash everything I'm wearing and shower immediately because it was, it felt really, intense and a lot of people were there Mm -hmm. there was a long line there weren't enough people working to sort of get through the line quickly and the worst thing for me the thing that made me craziest was that there was a woman who was standing at the window kind of just having a conversation with the postal worker and they were just chatting and I was like no chatting no conversation like just get get us out of here let's all work don't talk to each other yeah yeah I um am fortunate enough that I've got my whole my system, like I pre-print my postage, I've got my little boxes. So I'm like masked and gloved up, I'm like in, I know exactly where to drop my boxes, you know, I just like run in, drop my box, run out. But how packed the post offices are every single, and I'm there every other day, so I could tell you it's like that every day. It's worse yeah. than any grocery store you've ever been in. And, the, and the mix of, um, Corona deniers. Let's just, we don't know if there's a word for them yet, but people that don't Idiots, I can. Oh, idiots, right. Covidiots. Covidiots. (laughs) Yeah, the Covidiots. So, you know, it only takes like one guy standing there without a mask. And then you can see everybody's uncomfortable and getting really weirded out. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't know. 
Weird, weird times, you guys. Weird times, right? It is weird times. I had a couple walk past me the other day because the only time I really um, am out in the world is I walk my dog in the evenings for like as much time as I can possibly until the light fades right. just to get out and about. And uh, it's really nice because I live in West Hollywood, so the streets are fairly quiet around here, so I can be out. And there was this weird couple that passed me the other night, though. They weren't masked, and they kind of forced me off the sidewalk because I wasn't about to go anywhere near them. But there's usually an acknowledgement of sort of everyone sort of distancing at the same time. Right. And these guys were just like, had a fuck you energy and Ugh. no masks. And they were like not moving. And I was like, that's that's a significant chunk of the population, I think, are people who are just like, fuck this. And I'm not buying into it. And it's interesting. It's interesting. But it's just, I think the saddest part about it is the fact that they don't recognize that the mask isn't about you. You're yeah. not protecting yourself. You're protect. It's like more of a courtesy to the person you're um, talking to, right? Yeah. And so you're protecting them. It's not about you. So it's weird that it's so selfish, because it's not a selfish gesture. It's actually the right. the opposite. Like, so I mean, I think that that's the thing that again is someone who's a kind, loving person. I just, I, my brain breaks. Like, when did people become, like, that selfish that you don't care about the health and well-being of people around you, of the grocery store clerk or the person you're walking past that's walking her dog? Like, I don't, you know, that's just me. We could talk about this for hours, but. <laughs> I, think you, I think the key is if you can save up all of your farts until you're around non-masked people and then oh. just crop dust them right. left and right. Yeah, oh, and I've got great. some good quarantine farts right now. Oh yeah. It's serious. Yeah. That's cuz we're <laughs> that's cuz we're all eating better, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're I'm we're like, all working oh. on our uh, kimchi and cabbage and then wondering why our house smells so bad. <laughs> But, oh yeah, I've <laughs> discovered the joy of pickles. Are you into pickles as well as jam? Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm a nerd. I like I make all my own stuff and yeah, I make everything and I'm a huge pickle person. I love them. But also, um, I've been, I've been bartering so much. I also feel like leave it to like my pickle friend or something. So, I mean, pickle, I, bu I buy a lot of pickled stuff and I love pickle pickles. connection. Yeah. Pickle plug. The pickle, pickle plug. plug, the pickle <laughs> connection. <laughs> So your funny. life is insane I it's know. so great it's, it's like you got a pickle guy i got a pickle jam. guy i've got a candy yeah. guy oh the breakfast queen from uh have you ever had her nut butter from silver lake holy no. no but reggie watts has posted about it on his uh ig yes. quite a few times as like the the one to go to it's okay. it's crazy well and it's so like awesomely underground and you know like go to her house and it's like has a post-it on it it's down the hall and you pick it up. it's like it's very awesome but her yeah her nut butters are crazy town they're so good lauren you're blowing me away because <laughs> i've always wanted to be a part of like underground societies yeah but i've never thought of like the food underground, food underground. Yeah. oh yeah oh, oh it's real cool. and it's deep and we all know each other um most of us that have that have made it let's say like for because now i've been in it about 10 years i don't think there's anybody there, there's a small amount of us that are still here a lot of people come and go because it's definitely not unlike people are like i'm gonna own a restaurant and they're like oh this is hard so <laughs> you know so many people are like i have a great brownie recipe i'm gonna open a brownie company and when you're in the when you're in it and you're just like oh girl like how long do those last? How do you keep them fresh? How, you know, the packaging's a pain in the butt. Like, you know, there's a lot, I have a, have a lot of knowledge to share, but only through trial and error on my own. I mean, you know, making jam is one thing, but packaging it and making sure it's shelf stable and getting it approved by the state. Like what happens like as you grow is mind boggling. It's crazy. Like the point font size of the net ounces like all this like means something and it's actually very serious so if you pr well like anybody knows if you print a ten thousand labels because you're trying to save some money and there's one typo 
<laughs> like it's yeah. it's a legal problem, so you have to redo it. It's crazy. It's crazy town. So I've helped, that's a huge thing. I, yeah, I've helped that's happening in the cannabis industry too. Is you know like the regulations and then they change them, and you businesses. have to change everything. Yeah, I, I've noticed that with like the packaging, right? Is that the... Yeah, like the regulations, you know, came online at the beginning of 2018 and the, you know, they've changed every few months. And so these, yeah, small business owners are having to keep up and, you know, reprint and redesign and right. like meet new requirements all the time. And it just puts them out of business because they can't keep up unless they have, you know, it, a million dollar backer. Yeah, I know. Well, it's kind of the same thing with food, really. I mean, to a certain extent. And, it's, and now that they closed farmers markets or even the way people deal with stuff like I'm really interested to see like where things go you know I'm fortunate like a lot like a lot of businesses I already had an online presence but the people who didn't the people that were only farmers market I mean I know so many people that only did pop-ups right like you know vegan cookie lady that only does pop-ups all of a sudden has to like move it to like a delivery service for cookies uh, but that's her only job i mean man it's like you gotta like i don't know you gotta adjust and move and bob and sweep and who knows and with the cannabis industry how do you even keep up i mean we just got a delivery of this brand that has they're like tiny 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 little pre-rolls and there's you know there's Those are like, my it's favorites. just like perf- <laughs> perfect for like t- tucking in a hip pocket they're so fucking cute and like the crutch has little googly eyes on it i mean there's you know uh, they're coming up with the most amazing inventive ways to you know brand these pre-rolls and there's just so much out there and edibles too i mean the edibles, oh, edibles. is exploding right now because coronavirus people don't want to smoke as much so well i've thought about it, when that very first started people were like oh you should do a line of you know cannabis infused stuff but um i had a friend that even way back in the day she's passed away by now but she was making spaghetti sauces for as like for uh, medical places when it very first happened here when i first moved here so it was probably like what like 10 13 years ago or something when you could start making like edibles and she was doing it back then and she was telling me all about like the kitchen rules and everything that they had to go through and so when it first started, people had talked to me about it and I was just like, no, oh my God, <laughs> like the regular health department rules are so crazy. Like all, all the licensing and again, like leave certain things to experts and let them, let them go for it. But who knows, you know, I'm always yeah. open to it. Hey, anyone out there, if you guys are want to collaborate on a, a weed jam. I'm down. I mean, one of <laughs> my favorite like little dessert bites is like some kind of delicious chocolate with jam on the inside. Oh, to see. me, that is just the perfect bite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they sh- yeah, we should talk for sure. A little jam, and then uh, or, or, or there's so many things you could do. They could do some like jam swirled peanut butter. Oh, see, mm-hmm. see, <laughs> yeah. And there, there we go. go. And there goes the entrepreneur mind, right? The are popping. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, a peanut butter and jam. Sandwich. Everything. Peanut butter and jam, anything. See, Breakfast anything. Queen and I, I could get together. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my gosh. Which one was Oprah's favorite? Oprah Winfrey Network did a, a short film on you, right? They did. I know. It was crazy. Amazing. That was in Amazing. that same weird... It, 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 a bunch of stuff happened all at once. So the mm-hmm. Jeopardy thing happened. Um, Oprah Winfrey happened. But in my normal, like, doo-ba-doo-ba-doo, like how I just stumbled through these wonderful things that have happened to me. So someone calls and they're like, oh, we read about there, there was a an, I was in a terrible motorcycle accident. Billy Corgan did a um, benefit concert for me. So I got a lot of press because everybody was writing about the poor jam lady that got hit on her motorcycle. And oh, my God, Billy Corgan's doing a concert for her because I knew him from Chicago. So yeah. um, and he, you know, isn't. Everyone's like, wow, Billy Corgan's doing something nice. I'm like, no, he's cool. Like, don't, he's not a mean guy. He's the best guy ever. He was like on the cover of a cat magazine. I know. He see? seems like a sweetie. I know. <laughs> he is. No, he's, he's an angel and we're old friends. But he, um, so he did this concert and there was a bunch of press. And someone said that we were Googling for just a local jam company. And my, my metas keep bumping me up into these wonderful situations. And... Um, they were like, oh, we're from the OWN Network. And at the time, she still had a show in Chicago. It was when it first started, the Oprah Winfrey Network. 
<clears throat> and they were just going online and they were like, oh, we're filming a bunch of short um, pieces to play in between the shows because it was all online at the time. And I was just like, but they, they didn't tell me who they were. They're like, we're from the own network. We want to go to the farmer's market with you and film some stuff and maybe cut a short for the own network. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Come on down. And then, of course, I Google it. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's the Oprah. Own is Oprah Winfrey Network. Get out of here. <laughs> I had no idea when I was like, come on down. Let's go to the Santa Monica's farmer's market. You guys are paying. Cool. Let's have mimosas before we start, you know. <laughs> yes. so awesome it's amazing. yeah can we talk a little bit do you mind talking about your accident at all no not at all it was 2009 and actually i was going i had the jam company and at the mm -hmm. time lauren's jams like i even had a little oh gosh i should probably put that on the old instagram but i'm really going the wayback machine i had a my logo was my motorcycle because i would drive my motorcycle i was so small batch that would just fill up my little side bags, my saddle bags, and then I'd come back and I would make jam. So I'd make, you know, one or two batches of jam, but I would go pick it myself. I was super nerdy about it, but it was all about like cruising out on my motorcycle, taking a day trip, coming back, making some jam, and then selling these small batches. Um, and, you know, whatever. It was an accident. Some guy was taking a left and I was going forward. I was on I don't know. I don't even know where I was. Long Beach or something. I know I was on my way down to a strawberry farm in Ventura and then mm -hmm. woke up in a hospital with half my foot missing. But, you know, what oh, else? Fuck. And then I was in a actually life stories. I was in a wheelchair for about a year and my foot got rebuilt multiple times. So that benefit concert absolutely saved my life. I mean, to this day, I like to the dollar to the day that raised exactly enough money to help me pay for like my doctors and my insurance until I was up and walking and to one of the things I want to give kudos to besides all the people that gave to me and I everyone's like oh you're gonna drive a motorcycle again I'm like I can't I'm kind of like public property I think so many people like gave and helped me like recover but cooking was really difficult because when you're in a wheelchair, I mean, very conscious of uh, handicap stuff, you can't see the top of a stove. Like, there's mm. things you don't even think about because you're sitting so low. Like, I couldn't see into my pot to make jam. And I couldn't stand yet because, well, because it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so it took a while. That and Bikram yoga, man. So during the concert... Right before it, I had been going to Bikram Yoga, and the woman that owned the studio in downtown LA, uh, I gave a bunch of stuff for uh, the, whatever it's called, uh, like they did a, where you give money and you get a gift. So she gave a like bunch- Like a fundraiser? Yeah, yeah, like at the concert, like a silent mm -hmm. auction, sorry. So okay. they did like a silent auction thing. So she gave like all this like free yoga and stuff so as soon as I could kind of like hobble into the studio with like a cane, I was like, I just wanted to come in. And, and this was maybe nine, 10 months into my physical therapy. So I was barely up with like a cane, like just out of a walker. And I was like, I just wanted to come in and I wanted to take your class because she, she teaches like one day a week. She owns a studio. And just thank you so much for your generosity. It was really helpful. And, you know, I love you so much. And at the end of the class, she whispers in my ear. She, I was like, I'll do what I can, you know. And she's like, oh, no, just whatever you can. Just be in the room. And she's like, can I make an announcement, like, in my ear? And I was like, sure. And she's like, oh, you guys, like, how inspirational. She went through this whole Bikram class. And she was in this terrible accident. And she's just like, I'm gifting you a year of free yoga, which is, like, you know, a $3,000 gift pretty much. And I came, I remember I came, my mom came and my mom was helping me at the time and she came and picked me up and I was like, I have to go to yoga every day, mom. Cause she gave me this really generous gift. Like you have to drop me off every day. And you guys, I am not kidding you in three weeks. I was walking without um, a cane. I went back to work. Like how fast I recovered after doing Bikram yoga is amazing i'm like a poster child 
It's nuts. Highly recommended. If anyone has injuries, it seems like it sucks because you get all sweaty and gross and slimy. And now I don't mm-hmm. know if we'll ever be able to do it again because <laughs> of what's happening. But it really helped me. <laughs> yeah. And you can do yoga, you know, in your own space. Oh, yeah. It's everything. It's really like being body conscious and like the way you flow through things and just kind of like line yourself up. I grunted the other day going down one step. So I think... Um, <laughs> you think it's time for some yoga? To, yeah, I might need to start up a practice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's... I was walking my dog and my hip felt weird. And I was like, oh God, this is how it starts. This is how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> I have... Um, there's a girl I worked with at the Redwood, which is a bar downtown in Los Angeles for your international listeners. Um, and she ended up becoming a professional wrestler... Her name's Rhonda Rousey, and I've followed. I follow. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Uh, Rhonda's awesome. Huge deal. So I followed yeah. her. I follow her on Instagram. And the other day, it's funny you said that about being like tired. Like I have a bunch of stairs, and I just was bringing my groceries up, and I was kind of huffing and puffing. And she had this post where she was like, "My mom, when I was a kid, because they were all wrestlers when they were children." Um, you know, she's like, I wake up and like do push-ups, and it was like an edited little video. She's like, in between commercials, like I do a like sit-ups, and then she said, when you get to the top of the stairs, run back down and do it again. And it was funny, like I, it's so silly, but after you see this, you're just like, yeah, it is that easy. Like just run back down, run back up, like get into this pattern of just adding little stuff in whenever you can what a fucking cool story it's so great to hang out with you and get to know more about you and where you come from and what you do oh well you know I have midwesterners uh, we haven't heard all your flavors yet oh my gosh it's like oh now i feel like i have a bunch of children and i have to name them all and i might forget someone's name but let me see do you have a favorite child as well or a couple favorite childs well i think sometimes when you do something like especially when you make food product it's it's usually the newest one because i just made it right so you're Mm. i'm super excited i just made this one called peach samba which is like a peach jalapeno and and also like so much goes into like just figuring out the packaging and how you're going to release it and then you're doing all of your pr stuff for it so i've been thinking about it a lot but the um, the one I use the most personally is actually the Jeopardy one, the Strawberry Syrah. Like, I put that, that's my toast jam. I use the jams for so many things, though. I mean, gosh. I have a maple pumpkin butter that uh, we kind of use, like, in tea a lot. Like, instead mm-hmm. for a sweetener, like, using, like, a jam, like, in your tea instead of honey or sugar. And then, okay, let me think. I make a, well, since I just said maple pumpkin butter, I also make a an apple butter, but I make it out of Granny Smith apples. So I call it Granny Superstar apple butter. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Ooh, does it get a little sourness to it? A little tartness? It does, a little bit of tartness. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, every batch is like a little different, um, which is always a great thing, I think, about making food. Because, again, it reminds me of music, right? So it's like everything is, you know, which edition did you get? Did you get? <laughs> so each yeah. each batch is like a little different. So some can be more tart than others. Or um, with the pepper ones, you never know with peppers until you cut them up. And now with how big my company's grown, I do these huge batches. I mean, I'm doing hundreds of pounds all at once. Like I stir with like an oar now instead of a spoon. It's pretty awesome. crazy. Like the the um, the pot I cook in is is almost up to my shoulders, and I have to like step up a little, and, like use this oar to like scrape stuff off the sides. Or, and well, again, it matters what I'm using because there's also like a steam table that you use for strawberry stuff. It matters how things evaporate. So much like is it's that, the technical does that mean that as you're cooking it. Yeah, because that's I think the I I watch a lot of Top Chef. And the part that I'm always blown away by is like, if Mary Jane and I were cooking a meal, I know how to cook for two or four people. Right. But when I hear words like 200 people, two dishes each, I don't even understand what those quantities look like. Yeah. And it's it's, crazy. It's it's fucking crazy. It's totally crazy to see a truck full of fruit. And it's crazy on a bunch of levels. So let's say like marmalades. 
when I'm making a huge batch of marmalade, when I'm making 90 cases at a time, right? Like that's one batch. Like it's crazy talk, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jars. Um, but before that happens, you have to cut them off and take the seeds out and cut them in half and send them through a little thing and chop them into pieces. So the prep is a day or two or more sometimes. But that's how it's always been with jam, actually, now that I think about it. Like when I was a kid in Chicago, which is how I kind of got into this, my family always made jam. It was something that we did every summer. We would go strawberry picking or raspberry picking, and then the whole weekend was me, my mom, my grandma, my sister, whether we liked it or not, made jam <laughs> with, <laughs> and picked all the uh, berries, and then we would spend the weekend uh, preserving stuff. So one day it was like cooking and sealing everything, and then you had to wipe everything down and put it away and pack it up in our storage closet, which is so funny. When you grow up, you think that that's normal. Right. Like I just assumed doesn't everybody make their own jam, you know, <laughs> so I guess I wouldn't have Lauren's jams if it wasn't for my mom and my grandma making me make all of these jams. But so it's always these big batches. And even if you're talking about, like I said, when I would make the little little they seem little now, little batches of 13 jars. Right. And then you have to do the process with the water bath. So you seal it and get all the air out. I mean, that pickling's even more technical. It's crazy when you really get into what you're supposed to do because there's a lot of um, botulism issues. Like you have to be really careful with tomato stuff. It took me a while to gear up the butters, the pumpkin butter and the apple butter, which are the only ones we've talked about so far, but we'll talk about more. Um, it's actually very <laughs> complicated and I had to add um, a citric acid, which I usually wouldn't want to do, but I, it's better than making someone sick. <laughs> so you have to like bring the pH down to a certain level. And again, these are huge batches. After I finish them and there's a thousand jars, I have to wait for the state to come out, take a sample out of a bunch of individual jars, check the pH levels, and then get back to me on whether or not I can put like how you see the little date on the outside, like at that point is when you can put like expired by or whatever, like used before date. It's really crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful now that I'm in the food community that I have a product that I can make and I have two years to sell it or about, you know, two, three years, depending on what it is. So you have a little like, Ah, like I have a little time to like move this stuff, right? I just have to have a big storage space. What what sets your jam apart from all the other jams out there? That's a good question. I'm like, they're delicious. But I suppose everyone thinks their band is better than everyone else's band. Um, no, um, I have a real sense of community, even with the other jam people. And again, I don't know if I just naturally have this as a person or if I got this through being in rock and roll for so long. Because the thing about Chicago that I missed when I moved to Los Angeles is the sense of community is completely different. So even though I was in kind of like a punky chick metal band, right? Like we would play with the arty farty bands. We would play with the singer songwriter bands, So everyone knew each other. If you went to the hideout, you didn't just go see the one band and then pack up your stuff and leave. You hung out all night long. You watched all the bands. You went to people's art shows. I think the way that they support the arts is just completely different than it is here in Los Angeles. Hell yes. and, yeah. Um, and I brought that with me a lot. I don't know. I don't want to say I'm not competitive. I mean, who isn't like a little competitive? But I also feel that... Um, if someone else has a jam company and they convince you at the farmer's market to buy a $10 jam and you're like, this is amazing. I love this, you know, passion fruit, sriracha or whatever the heck you buy from another person. Then when you're more open to even listen to me, talk to you about my jams. And I think that that's a very important like olive branch and that we all are in this together 
to educate people. And then from that point, you can choose what you like. So my flavor combinations are stuff that I worked really hard on. Like I have, um, I have one called Manhattan Magic, which reminds me a lot of Chicago because um, it's a cherry jam, but it's infused with like rye whiskey, sweetened vermouth and bitters as if you've got a cherry in a Manhattan. And it's oh because I was making God. a cherry jam because someone asked me, can you make a cherry jam for our donuts or something? And as I'm making it and tasting, I was just like, ah, oh, cherries just don't taste the same unless they came out of my grandma's Manhattan because my family was all Manhattan drinkers. So the only cherries I ate as a kid were like soaked in whiskey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so they just tasted funny unless they were like a little boozy. So I just poured a whole Manhattan into like a small amount of the batch. And I was like, oh my God, this totally works. And so now it's a signature flavor of mine. So, you know, I've, I've stumbled into flavors that way. Blueberry basil was um, because a friend of mine was making a salmon glaze for a girlfriend and he asked me to make it. And even when he told me, I was like, ew, blueberry basil, gross. Sure, I'll make, <laughs> sure, I'll make it for you. I've got a garden mm-hmm. with some basil. I'm making blueberry jam. I got you, baby. And <laughs> I was so amazing. Again, another signature flavor. So a lot of them have been... Um, people tasking me to do stuff sometimes. I've had some bartenders ask me to come up with, um, you know, an apricot ginger. So someone will hand me a flavor profile and then I just have to work on texture. What kind of ginger, you know, do I want powdered ginger? Do I want candied ginger? Do I want a chopped ginger? Do I want sliced ginger? How big, you know, and how much do you use? So as you were saying, like when you cook for two people, but then you have to cook on this massive amount, it's really like the food science is fun for me. I don't know if it's because I was a drummer and it just makes me like a numbers person. So I love like busting up all the numbers and figuring out how to make it just right. And um, as again, as my company's grown, a lot of the challenge has been figure consistency. How do I make it the same every single time, even if it's a little different? So yes, the raspberry habanero, depending on the habaneros I got yesterday or today, <laughs> might be a tiny bit hotter or a little different. Um, uh, you still have to have it basically be the same. And that's a real challenge. But to me, that's, that's the fun, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm like a, yeah. a wizard. and the fun of like cracking a new jar of jam is just like opening a fresh bottle of wine like it's all about what's in that particular container it is and you know they actually like kind of age so i'm always checking so even when i'm making it and i'm tasting it you put it in the jar and it stays but it changes a little like some things mellow or um sometimes things that have other ingredients i keep talking about maple pumpkin butter but that particular one the maple gets stronger the older it gets. So um, the orange or like some of the other stuff and it kind of like mellows out and uh, it's it's fun. It's really interesting. And since I may do little twists on most of my flavors, like the Manhattan Magic, when you're eating it, you can literally sit there and look for each individual thing. And this is something that I try to do when I'm creating something like you want to be able to taste the whiskey, but you don't want it to be overwhelming. You have to be able to taste the cherry because that's the whole point of it. I want to make sure that the sweet vermouth is there, that if you're looking for the bitters, that you can find it. Like, it's there. Like, it all has to be hovering. And I think for most um, of the grub people on the weed and grub part of this, most of the, like, the super nerdy grub people, like, finding that balance is what puts people aside from other chefs right so i mean you have a friend that might make a salad with the exact same ingredients but it's just how they do it and most of it has to do with ratio and 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 portioning and salt mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah balances. balance I'm balance so- is everything right well i know we have to wrap because uh you mentioned that you are a big rachel maddow fan and uh, i you know it's and fridays are just like her the best days like she has a full meltdown every friday like you have like you just (laughs) you see the confusion on her face and 
She's like, what's happening now? So, you know. Does she does she wrap it up in a way that helps you cope with what's going on? Or does it just sort of you reflect know, the that's, insanity? That's very interesting. So um, a little more about me. Um, I didn't even have a TV until recently. Like, I didn't have a TV for 20 years at all. And I recently got one because I wanted to watch, like, the news. And it's weird living in L.A., right? I did. I don't know anybody. I don't. I don't. If you were a star or you're in like even movies, I like bear like a little bit. I would watch some stuff, but I didn't. I, I had like zero like pop culture. I don't didn't know anything about TV shows, like uh, what is it? Sh- Shonda Rhimes asked yeah. to, to me to do something on like her blog or something, and again like oh I don't know who that is, and I was like oh my god, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> And I was like, I'm sorry, whoops-a-doodle. And then you Google her, like, oh, right, right, right. So I just started doing, like, started watching TV. Kind of, let's just say, like, when Trump took over, I'm like, I need to know what's going on. Like, I really need to, like, just watch local news and soak some stuff up. And then I always thought she was funny. (laughs) I don't know, I like her show. And Mm -hmm. smart. And she has big words. Big words are cool. And... uh, And, uh, but she was talking about it overseas before it came here. So before coronavirus really hit here, I felt like I really knew what was going on pretty clearly because they were talking about it instead of pretending it wasn't there. So I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a little grateful. Sometimes it gets overwhelming, you know, sometimes, which is why I'm taking the weekend off. Thank you guys for that. Like, game changing. It yeah. does game. It changes the game for sure. I do appreciate. It, I have to say about Rachel Maddow specifically when I watch her, I just appreciate that she is perplexed. Oh yeah, totally. And confused. that is like refreshing. She's not giving answers. She's she's literally trying to like figure out what the fuck is happening, <laughs> and that is really nice. Yeah. To see in a in a you know a pundit, it's great. Yeah. She and Anderson Cooper are like my two people that I'll just watch clips of to be like. That, right guys yeah it's super fucked up right it, yes. it's also <laughs> nice that it's like this you know one hour thing like i also like the um john oliver's show too the hbo show he's so great but i love the way he explains through something very thoroughly he uses his whole time to like clearly walk people through it even though it's very joke filled it's not like five minutes of this and onto that and you know that gets a little exhausting it's hard not to over news yourself or you know read the paper too many times right now. yeah when where can everyone find you your jams give us all the plugs please. yes okay well laura ann's jams.com um instagram facebook i i got laura ann's jams everything so and you could probably google me and find it and click through it so online is probably the easiest right now because so many of my stores like some of them are opening back up some of them aren't you know like la county store which i would highly recommend if anybody lives in los angeles to support them really cute shop that all local producers it's um on fountain and sunset i think in that little mall where Wu-Tang Donut or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was... I know ta- exactly where you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's in that mall. It's like, you guys, it's the best shop. Like, if you want to buy someone a gift, like, it's all, like, L.A.-centric, all made by Los Angeles makers. Really cool curation. So that's a that's great so place. Dope. Yo, my... You, bl- Lauren, I'm sorry to interrupt your plugs, but, like... Oh, no. I remember I you just made me flash on my dad, who loves like spicy jams like jalapeno jams and father's day is coming up oh yeah oh and perfect i have a three pack spicy kit that you can send them as a gift already in a little box and it has rockin jalapeno raspberry habanero and the peach samba we were talking about so what you're welcome steve yes steve coming your way (laughs) i love that awesome so people can order through your website yeah and I have like little gift packs. I'm trying to like up that a little bit too. So during all this, I wanted to start working with other makers. I met the breakfast queen and I was like, oh, I should make a peanut butter and jelly box. I put it on my site and boop, like just they all sold. I was like, girl, 
you got to make some more. <laughs> so then I reached out to like a candy friend and I've been just trying to like do some LA makers and put some like little boxes together. So I've been working on some cool mashups and boxes and just help get the word out about everybody. Well, we're here to make edibles with you whenever you're ready. I anyway. love it. Waiting as soon as we can get together anytime. again. Yeah, I love Ooh, it. Cool. I love it. If you want to check us out, we're at Weed and Grub on Instagram, or our email is wg at weedandgrub.com. Uh, hit us with a five-star review on iTunes. Leave a little review. Click five stars. It goes a super, super long way in just supporting the podcast in a very simple manner. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Thanks so much for hanging out, Ann. It was really fucking awesome. My pleasure. Thank you, you guys. <laughs> Are okay, we going to clap everybody. again?